0: Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 Drinkaware.co.uk
1: Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. And to do that, British and Irish Lions, Saracens and England hooker Jamie George is alongside me. How are you, Jamie?
2: All good, mate. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. It's good to have you with us uh, for The Ruck. Now, Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. And Jamie is a Funding Circle ambassador because, Jamie, not only are you day-to-day a professional athlete, But you're also a business owner as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I uh, set up a business with a good school friend of mine about six years ago called Carter and George. Um, We're a physio business that effectively tries to deliver the same level of elite care that I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. So the link between physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, etc.
1: I've been looking for a physio, so I know a good place. I'll get your card after. Funding Circle has supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So, Jamie, simply, how have Funding Circle helped you? Well, obviously, they've got an amazing um, financial
2: product. So um, our most recent venture is is trying to grow the business as quickly as we can. We've got five clinics now, and we're looking to push on. And obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of of Funding Circle and um, the financial support that they were able to give us.
1: So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Hello,
3: this is The Ruck, and we are entering week seven of lockdown. We hope you're all okay out there. We love you listeners for coming back week after week. Life is now conducted on Zoom, and The Ruck is no different. I'm Owen Slot, and with us this week we have Lawrence, Steve, and the return of the chairman that World Rugby should have had, Mark Evans. Hey! (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Bill Beaumont was voted back in as chairman of World Rugby two days ago. Jonesy, you reported that and gave our readers the result um, at least a week early, I think. Two weeks. Two weeks earlier, you gave it. Yeah, yeah. Well done, well done. Ahead of the news as ever, Lawrence. You're um, very heavily involved in the game in various different departments, but but not so not so much rugby politics. You don't fancy that job yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm not. I think it's a question of more suitability and eligibility, really. But uh, no, I, I tend not to. Um, to not to agree with everyone on most things so that doesn't really work doesn't really work <laughs> out for work doesn't work out for world rugby it would seem. you're not the consensus man that bill says he's <laughs> going to be no
3: mark evans um who's been on this podcast numerous times before sports administrator we can't we're not going to go through the list again but um geez mark you've done enough uh mark we tried to push you on this show last year to get you installed as as chief executive of the RFU, but you're not going to come in at World Rugby instead now. Then well, it's obviously too late. But four years' time, it might need rescuing.
5: Whatever skill set I have, I'm not sure it's particularly well suited to that role.
3: Oh, Jesus! This is modesty on a level we've never seen from you before.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a difference between personal view and, and, and opinion. I think those well, are two different.
3: Mark, on a on, on a serious note, what do you what do you make of the um of the results of the vote and what it what it means? That's probably an essay question, but uh, go on give it a crack. I
5: expect it. I think the two votes that you raise an eyebrow and maybe Fiji and Samoa voting for, for Bill Beaumont uh, and away from the sort of the countries they have so much to do with in New Zealand, Australia, etc. I'm not sure it'll make a huge amount of difference in terms of policy. I think it might make more difference in terms of the tone. I think expectations have probably been raised a bit. I think we I think the nations that will be back on the agenda. I think uh, eligibility changes are, are pretty high up the agenda. And I think we're, I think we looked at what they were offering. You know, um, it's a question of execution. Can you, can you actually execute it? There's still, there's fewer blocks than there were last time around because of the coronavirus and the parlous financial state of some or most of unions and clubs. But this is all about delivery. And we shouldn't forget World Rugby can only work with the cooperation of its stakeholders. It's not got a huge amount of executive power. You look at where they really do have control and how they maybe ought to be judges. Look at tier two. Look at at the work they've done in places like Fiji and Samoa and Georgia and others. I mean, that's where people like Mark Egan and others really can wield some influence because the blockages are so much less.
3: Jones, you came in on Sunday with with um, a very positive piece about the way things are going, and you you believe that that um, the World Rugby Executive can move everything, or well, I don't know if you may, I don't know if you said can, but you say that they, they, they appear to have the um, some very bright plans that could move it in the right direction.
6: No, I didn't see any of that. There's no could about it. They have done so. They have set down a new structure for the whole of the game from Andorra up to New Zealand. It's all in place. It has been accepted by Exco. It has been accepted by the Rugby Committee. All it has to be now is the budget has to be um, uh, approved, which I understand is a rubber stamping. I'm going to just check with the Sunday Times printers because they appear to have printed the paper on Sunday in invisible ink. Mark Egan is not the man who's going to do it. He has done it. He has done it with executive power. He's done it with everybody in the room, and he has done what the game wanted for thirty years. He has set up promotion and relegation all the way. He set up a division, a global division, which all the teams can play in to assert themselves. And it is a red letter day. And I don't give a monkey's who the chairman is.
3: But th- this hasn't been approved by the by the um, unions themselves yet. So surely there's a massive hurdle to a scale or a wall to run into, as there was last well, year. Well,
6: first of all, the the nations cap is back on the agenda. So, uh, who, who in the southern hemisphere is not going to approve that? Who is not going to vote for that? Who is not in the Six Nations is not going to vote for it? And who in the regions is not going to vote for it? Because it's given them the lifeblood of proper competition. Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, etc. Providing they get the medical things right, will suddenly have six home games every year, as opposed to the current one. There is no one who's against it. I love your positivity, and I and I hope that it can. I'm not being uh, positive. Off. It's not an opinion. It's a news story.
3: No, no. But the, the, if the countries haven't even said yes to it, it's 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 a plan. I mean, I. I well, think it's a good uh, plan, but it's not it's not been um, successful
6: it's it's the, the top body have said yes to
4: it. The nation's championship and thereby the global season was very much on the agenda a year ago. Uh, I think the objections then were from for various different reasons from various different unions. Clearly the southern hemisphere are quite in favour of, 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 a, of a nation's championship. There was reservations, particularly amongst some of the home unions in Europe, around the area of promotion and relegation. But I think what coronavirus has done now has sharpened everyone's focus in terms of um, actually speaking to each other far more collaboratively and collegiately Because you know the financial crisis that coronavirus is you know have, is going to leave behind, not just in the world but also for rugby particularly, is now meant that those who were objecting to perhaps a global season might might think a little bit differently, and the first question, well, rugby, I guess, have got to ask themselves. And Bill is of the seventy five million pounds in the bank um, that was generated by the Rugby World Cup in Japan. You know how much of that is going to have to, um, you know, go into or go out of the bank account, and and really assist some of the tier one, tier two, tier three nations to 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 literally be surviving, so that they can be at the negotiating table. Um, and then I guess the other. The other issue that we probably should just quick, quickly touch on is that bringing the stakeholders with them is, is, is his number one challenge because now everyone is, is um, you know, he can't do anything until we actually know when rugby is going to be played. And, and in France, they've they've said that there's no live sport until at least September. In the British Isles, we're rather more hopeful because our needs must in terms of getting domestic and international rugby, you know, behind, uh, behind closed doors. But it's going to be fascinating because I don't think anywhere, any union, including England, are immune to the financial crisis that's now going to start engulfing the game itself. Mark, um, what, what's your
3: opinion on this? Do you, do you think that, that we will that we will get this together now that coronavirus has forced this uh, this this through and that the, the executive will, will manage
5: to make it work? I think the structural changes that Steve alluded to will probably get through. Get through what? What will happen then? All right. They've been
6: voted through by World Rugby. They've been voted in, so well not by yeah. the
3: World Rugby Council. They haven't.
6: No, I mean, the ca- no the,
4: ca- the exco is above the council. That's true. But they still, but yeah. they've still got to bring their stakeholders with them, which in Europe means club rugby in France and England, and that, as we know historically, is a much harder thing to do, whether something's voted in or not.
6: I yeah, I agree, Lawrence, I agree. But the global season is now in place for internationals. One thing I'm going to make
5: is that you can get the the structural changes into the different divisions that etc cetera, etc cetera. but you still have to put it into a calendar and then to, to be to execute it effectively and that I think is still a little bit of a way away and that has always been historically the rock on which many many decent rugby plans are founded we'll see I, i'm i'm not unhopeful because i do think these times Will lend themselves to change in a way that others weren't, and I think certain vested interests are now not quite as powerful as perhaps they were, certainly financially. So, but let's hope so because it's a terrific opportunity.
3: I think the um, I think the calendar is actually the area where they possibly probably have made um, some strides forward. I think people. I think everyone acknowledges that that is an area that has to change and has to simplify and has to work for everyone and. I know Bowman was talking yesterday about um, possibly shifting the July international window into October or whatever. I I, I don't know if that's going to happen, and, and he he did say it's 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 a it's a plan. It's not it's not something that's been voted through or whatever. But I I think um I think everyone gets that that's that that's got to happen. The uh, the calendar um purification, if you like. But then again, as Lawrence says, it, it's easy to say. Come on, we all need to work this out, but whenever they try to work it out, like in San Francisco four years ago, they, they can't do it because there's so
4: well, many people... Who well, to until, until it. they know when a game of rugby can actually be played, you know, having back-to-back international windows at the end of the year, in theory, it sounds like a good idea, but we may not see much, um, you know, much flight travel, you know, teams being able to get on planes, et cetera, et cetera. And that and, that, and this is what I'm saying, the whole, the whole crisis could actually be the undoing of... Uh, of, uh, of some really good work. And the other question, you know, which probably needs to be posed is, which was asked a little while ago, was that, you know, where does the Six Nations sit within all of this? Um, clearly, it's currently free to air, um, you know, with the with the continuing pressure of coronavirus, particularly for, for, for some of the home unions, you know, is that move to put it behind a paywall going to start gathering some serious momentum?
6: The massive coronavirus problem is, is you know, it cannot be... And, um, overestimated is absolutely savage. You just got to hope there'll be a time when we do get over it. But for me, first of all, the, the, the two um, international windows stuck together is pure poppycock invented by one man, as far as I can see. The Lions Tour in, in the autumn, 22,000 people have so far booked to go with the Lions. They always go as part of their summer holidays. Hey, lads, let's all go in September, October and Lions Tour, utter rubbish. There are two international windows at the moment which are perfectly good. And the only thing that is stopping the whole thing slotting in now, uh, apart from coronavirus, is revenue sharing. That is what the Southern Hemisphere are bidding for. They want a chunk of the money at Twickenham, Cardiff, etc. And that is... What that? What why their myth that that P show didn't get in? The big st- uh, rugby only sticking point at the moment is
3: revenue sharing. Yeah, we we asked Bill about that. Bill Bowman's about that on the press conference call yesterday. We said, we said, you know, that if you if you could bring through revenue sharing, that that would really uh, get this whole thing moving along. And he and he basically said, oh, that's not that's not really my bag. That's for the, the unions to sort out on their own. For a, an agent of change, that wasn't quite the answer we we're looking for. No. Um, maybe something like banging heads together and they've got to sort it out might have been a better answer. So, so Jonesy, just, just on that thing about the, the moving windows, you said that's the uh, invention of one man. Are you, are you suggesting that that's only Beaumont who's pushing that? Because he was talking about it yesterday. What, you're going to have two international windows every year in November? No, he was saying, what he was saying, I'm not saying it's a good idea, I'm just reporting here. He was saying you would move July to probably October and then he said in October you'd have your Northern Hemisphere um, international teams going south and then in November they'd they'd all come back again. Um, And and it wasn't actually him just saying it because the communications director said, yeah, this is a plan as well. Again, a plan, not not a...
6: a, Well, I spoke to probably most people in World Rugby in the last week and no one mentioned that why would you have the two windows together? So suddenly the clubs are going to go <clears> 10 <throat> weeks, 12 weeks without their players with a further seven or eight weeks after Christmas? doesn't work.
3: Well, I, I, again, we, we're, we're trying to guess what they're doing. But if you did it that way, you'd, you'd start the club season after all that. And then I think you'd have a club season from December to July, say. Oh, Christ, I don't know. We'll make it up as we go along here. With just a Six Nations break in the middle. Mark, you need to come in here and talk some sense because we're scrabbling around
5: looking. We need a rugby administrator here. There was a reasonable amount of chatter about this two months of international winners at the end of the Southern Hemisphere season, October, November, because it would allow the coordination of the Nations Cup to be much easier and it it would give her a greater clarity. And I suppose this is, however, the point I was sort of alluding to earlier, that, although it's a very easy thing for the Southern nations to do, it's a very, very difficult thing for the Northern Hemisphere because of the club game. And so I thought, I'm not surprised Bill was fairly cautious about that yesterday because you've currently got the July window and the November window. But let's not forget the July window causes some problems as well. You know, it, 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 we always have these problems with British Lions. We always have these problems with not enough rest for the players before the end of the Heineken Cup and the premiership, and then going on tour when they're knackered, and also the narrative to the customer. Let's forget why we're in business. We're in in business to actually put a product in front of people who want to watch it and hopefully grow the number who do so. So I think that there is more, there is quite a, not a head of steam, but there is quite a significant bit of support about the two things. You can either coordinate the fixture list, which is you'd stick it in, you'd keep it in July and November, and you'd try and get as much coordination as you can with more promotion and relegation in certain parts of the world, because I note with interest that it's been said that it isn't going to happen in the Six Nations for a while, or you'd be more ambitious and you genuinely go for a global season with the internationals at the end, largely, with the TRC and the Six Nations at the beginning, and then you run the club, provincial, super, rugby, whatever comes in place of it, in between. And with the close season of two to three months, so that really is a global season. And rugby union in the north becomes a summer game. Do you think that's going to happen? That's a hell of a stretch.
4: I think I agree with you, Mark. There, but and 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 I actually, for once, agree with Josie. The key to unlocking is the financial pot. And uh, if uh, if certain unions saw a greater share of the uh, of this of the cake, if you like, then all of a sudden they might find some space in their calendars. And I include all the stakeholders in that then suddenly they might find uh, some space in their calendars to accommodate pretty much most things.
0: The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament.
5: In and out, in and out, boy!
0: Leave your rivalries at the door and get their team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports booth. The The Six Nations and Green
1: King. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses. Because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner.
2: Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Rhys Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, We've been up and running for about six years now. And sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public.
1: If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle,
2: business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle.
3: So, Bill Bowman wasn't the only winner at the weekend. Maro Itoje was rugby's other uh, notable champion, being declared by the Times and Sunday Times as the current best player in the world. Uh, this is what we're going to talk about now. To explain, uh, there were 14 Times and Sunday Times writers <coughs> who contributed to this poll. Uh, we each have a, um, named our top 10 players in the world, and we put them all together in some stats box and worked out the numbers and we were then able to announce that we had revealed definitively the best 10 players on the planet. Uh, we ran this uh, through the paper last week and I'll read you out the top 10 as in the, the as voted for by the times. Uh, we had at 10 Tom Curry at uh, 9 Kyle Sinclair at 8 we had RD Sarvea. 7 Brody Retallick 6 Cheslin Colby 5 Peter steffi Toit Sami was at 4 Followed by Dupont, the French scrum half. Uh, Bowden Barrett was at two, and Maro Itoje was officially the best player in the world. So, as you can imagine, we've probably all got quite strong opinions on this. Who did each of us name who didn't make that top ten? Who we feel was um, <clears throat> harshly done by? Uh, Jonesy, let's start with you. Can we start with someone else? I haven't got a clue. Um, <laughs> I, I have to find my top ten. <laughs>
4: that was someone else. All right. Uh, Lawrence. Well firstly, uh, you know, there was, I'm glad that there was some sort of consensus around the top 10. Um, not everyone made it in there, but um, you know, one has to understand and, or maybe explain that obviously all opinions are subjective. And I'm fascinated to hear from, from our panel here, you know how you measure a player's impact, because if you look <laughs> at Optus, if you look at Optus stats, then you'll get a very different top 10. For me, rugby has always been a results-driven business, as far as I can work out. It's about the W at the end of the day. And um, I think you're looking at players who maybe, you know, don't do don't do do not everything in a game. You know, I look at these stats and you look at a player who has 100 tackles and you go, well, well done, you've done your job. You know, what that tells you is that you've got a really good engine on you or the opposition are actually running down your channel rather a lot. So for me, selection is about doing things that actually influence the outcome of the game so when I was looking at my top 10 and I was looking at form because it was asked to produce a top 10 now not maybe last year or the year before which players actually do things that affect the outcome of a game now I added a couple of others that didn't make the list and you know for various reasons it's interesting eight out of ten that did make the list all uh, appeared in the uh, semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup with the exception of DuPont and Vakitao, I think, can consider himself a little bit unlucky on current form. Uh, I think he's one of the outstanding players, uh, obviously, the New Zealand-born French centre who played most of his rugby on the wing. I think um, the little Shetland pony, Faf de Klerk, I think, uh, can also consider himself somewhat um, unlucky, as can... um, Kind of one or two of the, the South African front row. But I guess if you get rotated, it's also about longevity and how many times you're actually named in the team. But uh, I think those two can count themselves a little bit unlucky. Jones, have you found your team yet? Yes, I have. Oh, and
6: first of all, uh, you mentioned this was the selection of 14 rugby writers on Times of Sunday Times. Can you give me their names? Because I'm doing the Sunday Times on my own. Who were the other 13, by the way? <laughs> have I ever met them? 14 rugby writers? bloody hell. All, all right, right. Uh, Stuart Barnes. Barnes my uh, my big objection, if this is a form side, and, and as Lawrence said, it should be, uh, is Bowden Barrett, who's absolutely like a like a a, um, a caged animal during the World Cup and, and all the previous season. I don't think he's remotely up there, and I think George Ford, who I've been critical of, is actually at a much better World Cup than Barrett in almost every respect. I actually like the rest of them. I mean, I've always thought that White Block is actually. A better lock than metallic, but um I actually like the top ten we had Maro Toji you know um are still waiting to ha- for him to have the equivalent of the second season syndrome. I don 't think he's had a dip in his career, so he's well up there i sent I sense the presence of Barnes in the um uh, selection of uh, Bowden Barrett up high, otherwise Peter Steph Toy, no objections there. Cheslin Colby, no objections, and I think it's a very strong team, and I think they are the form team. Just one more thing, though, and I watched again the England semi final against New Zealand on Sunday. Blimey, Curry had a great game, but Underhill that day was out of this world. He was out of this world, so I think he would be close on form to that top 10.
3: So, who did you have in in your top 10 who, who didn't make it in, Steve?
6: I think I think I had nine of that nine of that 10 so I I had most of them I think I possibly had underhill in it but um I'm quite happy with all the rest I really am
3: Okay yeah, so so uh, so I, I was with Lawrence i had Vakatawa in my top 10 as well and yeah. um I, I don't know if it's cuz I I normally sit um at rugby games next to Alex Lowe but we we both had um uh, another uh, Fiji and Pekeli Yato in our um, in our yes. top 10 as well which which was which was maybe a, um somewhat from the heart rather than the head because uh well he he didn't really do have much of a of a rugby world cup did he for very unfortunate reasons you might think I'm completely bonkers on this because uh, I didn't have Tom Curry or Simon Millen in in uh, in my top 10 but I, I I did have Michael Hooper who maybe might have played some better rugby 2 years ago but what I saw of him during the world cup was one man almost single-handedly trying to carry his nation through and Having a uh, never having a bad game, almost never having a, a bad involvement and, 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 and genuinely changing games. So those are the players that, that, that I had in who, who I thought were deserving of mention. What about you, Mark?
5: I, was, I looked at it, um, you know, good do prep you know, for the podcast and um, yeah, I, agree with eight, I agree with eight of them. I think the top eight would be in my top ten. Kyle Sinkler, I can't get away from that World Cup final. And, know, you know, it, 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 it wasn't it, him going... That would have clinched it for me. But, of course, we all, you know, we all know what happened. I, I'm not quite sure he's yet done enough to be in the top ten in the world. I'm a huge Malcolm Marks fan. i just he's just think he's just a phenomenon. Mm. And, 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 he is, and he's done it for quite a while. And I know this is now. But I think he's got a bit of longevity to make a world top ten. It's not just the 10 best players of the World Cup. I think you've got to be a little bit broader than that. So I would probably question Carl Sinclair and Tom Curry. Yeah, I add back as well. And, 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 and I think Evan Estabeth is massively underrated. And as I say, Malcolm Marks. And like, it's really surprising. He's had a little bit of a dip, but I'd I struggle not to put Owen Farrell in the top 10, which now gives me 11, which is ludicrous. Okay. Yeah,
4: I actually, I actually did put Owen Farrell in there, but didn't, didn't make the cut. And I'd certainly have him in there ahead of nine and ten in the list. Uh, no disrespect to either of their performances. Uh, so I do agree on that. The Bowden Barrett one is the interesting one because a bit like Mark, you know, clearly Jonesy, I, I, you know, I think if if people assessed his form right now, it's nowhere near where where it has been in the past. But my word, mm. you know. He has, I mean, you know, I have to say he has done some spectacular things on the rugby field, yeah. um, you know, beaten, beaten more defenders than any other player in world rugby. Yes, he does play for the best team. Um, he scored 27 tries on his own, which, um, you know, on the basis, New Zealand scored five a game. That's not that hard. Um, but, you know, he uh, he also assists. And I think he was just undone by the fact that he was played out of position in the World Cup and, and maybe, um, you know, Mixed around a little bit, but but he does things on a field that excite, you know, rugby fans, and you know for that reason, I do think he deserves to be there. You say you say he was out of position during the World Cup. When um,
3: we love making these lists, don't we? But when we were doing our um, World Cup uh, fit top fifteen uh, uh, at the end of Japan, I had um, uh, Barrett as my as my fullback. I thought, he, he wasn't he wasn't wasn't playing in his best position, but I still thought he was his impact was strong enough there to, to go in there. Actually, I don't think there was... Uh, I, I remember scratching my head on that one because there weren't so many outstanding
4: alternatives. But um, uh, I, Unu- I, Unusual to see no... And I'm not saying this because I played there, but no number eights on this list, which, uh, ah. well, they, they, according to Eddie Jones, there is one number eight on the list, but, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> you know for me, it it should be a position, and it hasn't changed, you know, over over many many years that influences games. Um, but yet, we haven't, we don't see any of the world's number eights making that cut, and and who, I find that. Who would you,
3: Lawrence? Who would yours be? Because I, I had yeah. um I, I when I was doing my list, I um my my tenth position, I had Dwayne Vermeulen in and out of it all
4: the time. No, um, I don't. I mean, I don't think any of any of the number eights currently playing deserve necessarily to be right, there. I'm not, okay. arguing, I'm not arguing with the list. I'm just quite surprised. I'm quite surprised that they that they haven't been able to do that. You know, they're not quite... When, hit this, their leader, top top.
3: when this all started appearing in the, in the paper last week, um, you won't be remotely surprised to hear that there was a lot of a, a angry um, comeback on the uh, comment section from our, our Celtic readers, particularly Welshmen who couldn't understand why there wasn't a, a single Welsh player on that list. Now, again, when I was doing my list, looking trying to work out who my 10th man was. I was I was playing around with Tipperick and Liam Williams as well, who kind of would be in my top 15. Do you, uh, do you think we, we've been hard on them? or? No, w- w- Wales
6: were a different sort of side. Wales are very much a, a kind of team without um, brilliant individuals, especially when Falato could make it, that were very highly competent rugby players, beautifully organised and actually... If you re- if you look at the Welsh Africa game again, there was was a time clearly in that game where there looked like winning that as well. so no i I don't think there was a a wellshman in, in 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 the top ten at the moment. Fu and his very best would have been in mind, but he's not been at his very best It's as simple as that
4: but it, but it's also a window as well isn't it? As, uh, as Mark was saying, you know maybe eighteen months ago James Ryan might have uh, made that list because you know, everything, sure. he tu- yeah. everything he touched turned to gold you know Ty Furlong was was certainly there, Connor Murray for a period of time, you know Aaron Smith at nine you know, but I do think that that those you know to, to our Welsh friends, those moments have passed now, and uh, you know we're talking about maybe the last 12 to 24 months, which I think belongs to, the, to that list. And that list is the very top table of world rugby. And to get on that list, you've, you've got to be exceptionally good. And if uh, you can honestly, hand on heart, tell me that there's a Welshman Irishman right here, right now, or a Scotsman that deserves to get in ahead of any one of those players, you know, I'd question that. Does it,
3: did anyone disagree with, with Marrow as, as the um, number one on that list? Marrow Itoje, Mark's wincing, <laughs> you clearly did. No, not. I think it gets, when you get down to the best player in the world, I, I just don't buy it as a concept, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's gets, fair enough. That's fair enough. But, <laughs> but don't come on this podcast, then, if you don't want
5: to talk about it's, it. The positional requirements are so, are so different. I, I, he is an absolutely extraordinary athlete and rugby player. And does it... I think the key point Steve made is that the guy has hardly had a dip. I, he did, actually, once... I think in the 2019 Six Nations, i remember being on this podcast, and anyone see Mariotage in the last two or three games. I think. I think the reason.
4: I think Mark. The reason why I think he does make number one is it's not just the, the quality of his performances, but it's actually in the last twelve months, it's been the games that he's actually played well in. Because yes. make no mistake, there are there are big games, and then there are ginormously huge games. And Dublin away when England dismantled Ireland. Uh, and he was the outstanding performer. and I think uh, the, the the Lions uh, performance uh, against New Zealand and then again the semi-final performance against New Zealand. And actually, for once, the stats do back him up. you know he had, I think double the number of turnovers of any player during the World Cup. Um, and these were in games that really, you know, the knockout games, games that really mattered. and, and I think for that reason, I think he probably does creep up to number one. I can tell you now that I stayed at one club for twenty years. But anyone who thinks or is under any illusions that if I didn't feel that I had the opportunity to win trophies because that's what the game was all about back then, uh, I would have moved in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's why Jonesy stayed at the Sunday Times all these years, isn't it? <laughs> well, he's, exactly. On my he's, own, he's doing it all on <laughs>
3: his own <laughs> yeah. from the sauna. Uh, producer, if we got some violin music, we could play here. Well, listen, on, on the, on the subjects of, of Jonesy and, and, and having to fight a lone battle on his own, should we move on to um, what, one of our favourite old themes, which is um, Jones's moans? Well, Jonesy? I've got a health, political and
6: health one this week. This morning, I was listening to the radio and there were four people, who were all New Zealanders on there, discussing, telling us, telling our health service, our government and our population how to deal with the coronavirus... <laughs> And they were saying, uh, one of them said, I am so proud to be a Kiwi today because we have not had one person pass away in New Zealand in the last 24 hours. And surely the British government should be looking south for the... uh, And that infuriated me. Nothing could be better than Kiwis not losing anyone to um, the coronavirus. Long may they lose no one every day to the coronavirus. But to get the message from a country where no one lives outside Auckland, only nine people live in the South Island, for them to tell us that they're proud of themselves as if we are actually deliberately killing people in this country is something completely beyond the pale, even for Kiwis.
5: Jacinda has been incredible. It took action very, very early. They got five million people and the size of your country doesn't necessarily mean that you still don't have to do the right thing. Uh,
6: I love of the way it does. What, what love about the, the density peace. of population? Love they've, the, they've, they've got
5: separation without even
6: being separated.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the way she took a paper. I can't see any other, I haven't seen any other premier in the, in the world doing that. I thought that was a great bit of leadership. And they went real, real early. They shut the whole thing down after one case. I understand that each country has to do what they think works for their country and autonomy for the nation-state. completely agree, but I don't think you can criticise too heavily that what New Zealand have done has been incredibly effective. So you Give us your other moan. Got, Mark got. Evans
3: is
2: the other one. <laughs> 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 well, well.
3: Honest. I'm on Some, some smart-ass coming on our podcast. Well, we should all be moaning about that. Listen, now, the other well, thing is, yeah, i just got one more. Who are the... I can think
6: of three of our rugby writers. Who are the other 11? Because they've done nothing for 20 years. <laughs> they've been in lockdown
3: or something. i like 14 rugby writers. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jonesy. So we're we'll, we'll going to see if we can find another 11 rugby writers for for next week. The, um... Sunday times this coming weekend should be very interesting. Uh, Mark Evans, great to have you back. I'm sure we'll have you back in soon. Lawrence, good to see you as ever. I hope you get um, let out of your locked-in office there for lunch or dinner maybe. Um, This was The Ruck. Uh, We will, as ever, be back next week. Thank you for joining us. Stay safe out there. Stay well.
1: Thanks for listening to the Ruck podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle. Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. They know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. And they're working with England and Saracens hooker Jamie George to help him build his business. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Funding Circle. Business finance that backs you. Six Nations
0: and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 Drinkaware.co.uk.